This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Homestand, the official podcast of the Kansas City Royals. I'm your host, Carrie Lippert-Gillespie, and I'm excited to have my guest today, Gene Watson. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Carrie. Thanks for having me. Appreciate I have you. to read your uh, title because it's very long. I couldn't remember it. So you are the Vice President of Major League Scouting and Assistant GM. There you go. That's a mouthful. It's a mouthful. It's yeah. a business card. It is a business <laughs> card, which I've heard you love business cards. I do like business cards. I um I, since I was a young kid, had yeah. an affection for them, and and I, I trade out a lot of business cards. Emily Penning gives me a hard time about it because, um, to me, you know, all the airports and airplanes and hotels and ballparks, yeah. you're constantly meeting new people. You are. To me, a stranger is just a friend you haven't met, and some of the most uh, important people in my life are people I've met on airplanes and hotel lobbies and. So, uh, yeah, I like business cards. What about the, you know, the digital age of it all? You know, you could follow someone on Twitter, email them, whatever it is, but you still prefer the card, huh? I love the, I love the, the, um, the nostalgia paper? of the paper, yes. The paper aspect of it? All right, well, I, I think that's a fun little fact about you there, and I, w- I, I would love to have your, bi- your business card after okay. this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy that you're here to chat with us today. You're one of those people that whenever I see you, you are always like saying hi, happy, but you always look happy to be there. Like yeah. you always look just happy, happy to be wherever you are. And those kind of people I think are like sunshine personified. Yeah. And that's always you. Well, I, I just love working in this game. It was an extremely hard road for me early in my career. Yeah. Um, and um, just to get to this point in my career and just to be able to work with the people I work with every day. And uh, I just, I don't take one day for granted. I, yeah. I love Kansas City. I love the Royals organization. I love the people. I, I actually left for one year in 2021 and went to the Angels. And uh, I just felt like part of my soul was gone. And yeah. so to be able to come back, I I view this opportunity as an even greater opportunity because I've been given a second chance at something that I never thought I'd get. That's beautiful. I love that. Let's talk some first about where you're from and growing up in college. You played in college. I did. I grew up in Temple, Texas, and really uh, more of a football background. Um, And then um, I walked on at St. Edwards University for one year in Austin, Texas. And then um, after one year, I kept getting, I was that guy that was kind of a late bloomer bloomer that got a little bit better every year. And so after one year at St. Edwards, I I told myself, if I'm not going to be able to play this game, I want to work in it. And I looked at the University of Texas at Arlington, and I told myself, I'll go walk on, and if I make it, great. If I don't, I'll go to work for the Rangers in some capacity, and both happened. I, I made the team, and then uh, in the summers, I started working on the tarp crew and the grounds crew and the ticket office, and then in 1991, I moved into the home clubhouse, uh, being around the players, and that's where my affection for, for players and player evaluation and team building really came from. I, w- I was allowed to be around Nolan Ryan and Bobby Valentine and uh, Jose Canseco, Rafael Palmero, so many great players yeah. uh, that it was it was just something that I fell in love with right away. That is incredible that you started on, on the TARP crew and now you are sitting here as the VP 
in a major league baseball team. It, I, that's insane. Like, let's all just soak that, that in for a second. And it's proof that, that you just, you got to do what you, you're doing, be the best that you can at it, and let the steps take you where it will. Yeah, and that was really what drove me, was like on the really hard days, I would tell myself, this is going to pay off in some way. This is going to, and, it, and when you look back at it, the whole journey, uh, I, I have no idea how this happened. I really don't. <laughs> I really don't. But uh, I thank God it did. If you had to write a playbook, I couldn't do it probably. Right. Well, I, I had a, a guy one time when I told him, I, one of my bosses, uh, when I was trying to get into scouting, told me I was living a pipe dream, and that's going to be the name of my book, Pipe Dream. I cannot wait. Can I, I will order an advanced <laughs> copy. Can we get it going right here? I will read that in a heartbeat. You mentioned some of those big name guys that you just got to be around. You weren't even coaching with them or, or anything like that, but you just got to be in their presence. There's something to be said about just being around people who are at that high level and just watching them, watching them go through their day, what their habits are, how they carry themselves. Do you think some of that rubbed off on you, even when you were just, you know, clubhouse staff? Yeah, I, th I think uh, you. I've always been very competitive and you're always striving to be the very best at whatever it is. I'm a really competitive guy. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I, I'm, a little, I'm a fighter in that way, in that if I think something's right, I'm gonna push for it as hard as I can and fight for it. And that's the one thing, I mean, for regardless of what it is, Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, you know, Rihanna at the Super Bowl. I mean, she, unbelievable. Yeah. And, and I mean, just like the talent that people have in this world and, and when they get to put it on display and just be, incredible at what they do it's it's it's, it's really really amazing to me. yeah it's inspiring for sure so tell us how you made the jump into scouting because that's a long cry from being at the ticket booth yeah i um when i moved home we had our son in june of 93 i moved home and i started a select program back when there were no 17 18 year old programs okay this is you know you early, just started one i i started one ut arlington actually gave me their old uniforms we were called the syntax mavericks and I had a few players, Bobby Witt Jr.'s dad actually helped okay. me as well, uh, and I uh, had a few players help me fund it. So I, I went and got all the 15, 16s that were kind of below the radar, hidden uh, talents, and uh, we went 47 and 13. And that Christmas Eve, the Astros called and offered me an associate scouting position, which is basically working for free for three years. Oh, so, I mean, so I basically invested. I would get in my car on Tuesdays and Fridays and just drive and hit – every high school and college game I could within 100 miles of the house. And it was pretty taxing on the finances for a young family, but uh, I, would, I wouldn't change one thing about Gene, it. Gene, that's, that's insane. Yeah, I wouldn't change one thing. You're a hard it. worker. I try to be. I can tell from that. <laughs> and in your head, were you, were you thinking when you started that, this is going to lead to a job in, in baseball? Or what were you thinking? You were just thinking, I got to do this? I was hoping. Yeah, I was hoping. I was very visible. I would always be at University of Texas, Texas A&M Baylor, and then on Tuesday nights, I would hit some of the smaller high schools. Uh, and then in, in November of 96, uh, the Padres called, Eddie Epstein from the Padres called and offered me a professional scouting job, which at the time was new uh, to the game. Eddie was one of the pioneers of analytics. So I've, I've never worked one day without analytics. Yeah. And, and so the analytics and the pro side, it was basically still forming. So I was on the front end of a lot of that. And it, that 97 to 02 were really the really difficult years because I was a young guy in major league ballparks and to a lot of the veteran scouts, I was, I was taking one of their spots. And so it was, it was hard. You, you could have stuck me in the middle of the Pacific Ocean and said, find your way back. And it probably would have been easier for me. Wow. But uh, all part of the growing process. Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
Now, I want to ask you what the term scout actually means, because in, in a single organization has tons of scouts and they are scouting in different countries, different levels. You have college scouts, high school scouts, uh, other team scouts where you're scouting guys from, from other major league teams or other guys in the minor leagues. So kind of break down in layman's terms what a, a scout position is. Yeah, so it's basically player evaluation. Okay. And and there are different levels of it. You you have your international, which really started like 12 years old. Oh, and my they're, gosh. They're, they're, they're offering money at 14, 15, 16 years old. Yeah. And then you've got your high school, junior college, four-year. And then you've got your pro scouts. We have minor league scouts. We have scouts that scout the major leagues. We have scouts that just advance for the teams that we're going to play in the coming weeks. Mm -hmm. And so you've got all those different variables of information and levels of scouting. And and really the most important part of the player evaluation is history with the player and that continual gathering of information on the field, off the field, uh, with data, with technology. Uh, and, and, you know, I wake up every day uh, and try to turn over a stone to find a player to help the Kansas City Royals win a World Series. And mm -hmm. that's really all it is. It's, it's filtering players every day uh, and and things change quickly yeah. you had you take an injury on the field a player gets released you didn't expect um, it so you're constantly gathering information communicating with your scouting staffs and making the best day-to-day -day decisions you can for the organization now you say the analytics and the hitting throwing catching all those things are important but you mentioned the personal side of things too, the relationship you have with them and and what a person is like so I would think some of that comes down to this person is quieter in the clubhouse or this person is is very outspoken and, and sarcastic and talks a lot and things like that so I'm sure that is also information that's very valuable to the team as well to see how they will come into the clubhouse and mesh as well. That's right. And you you may have a player that on the outside, you have all the information on that it may not be working well where they are, but you know, hey, we bring this guy in with our support structure. And Drew Waters is a prime example yeah. of that. Uh, we I, Drew played with my son in, in the minor leagues. And so I had a track record with him out of the draft and watched him all through. And, you know, when you started to look at the way the Braves were shaping up in the outfield, he began to began to look like a, a, an excess player to them, and at Kauffman Stadium, it's so difficult to play center field there that we, with Michael, with Lorenzo, with with Drew, we're we're two and three years ahead of identifying that potential player for our stadium because it's a difficult place to play center field. But that was a situation where we looked at him and said. Hey, our support structure is one that he can really, really thrive in, and that's yeah. what we're hoping for. That's incredible. And there's so many, you know, things that are, as you said, moving parts, but there's only so much you can look at and pick from and say this is probably what's going to happen, but it might not happen. That's right. And you have to break down every piece of information. Uh, I'm really big about pouring into the players and making them understand that we believe in you and I'll even throw a nugget out hey can't wait to see you in the all-star game or, or I've been trying to get my hands on you for five years just yeah. to lift them up and build them up and make them feel comfortable because oftentimes when players come from other organizations they're not looking at it like the Royals wanted us they're looking at it like that team didn't want me and yeah. so there's a psychology to that and keeping the players confidence level up and and just building momentum to help them reach their ceiling as players yeah all right let's take a quick break here It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. 
Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. How do you keep them all straight? Because I would just get, there's there's so many. I mean, especially if you're talking about 12-year-olds, 14, 15-year-olds, all the way up to guys that are already in the bigs and you're you're scouting for that. How do you keep everyone straight? Yeah, it's it's difficult. And you got to have really good people underneath you and you've got to let them do their jobs. And, yeah. and just those, those uh, buckets of players, uh, as I like to call them, they, they, you know, there's a lot and you just have to connect the timeline of the player as an amateur to a college player to a professional player and and a lot of guys get better and you you got to let guys get better so yeah it's just staying on top of all of them yeah and you're managing other people too that are, are doing other scouting things so you're also while scouting and analytics is really you know what you're passionate about it sounds like you have other people that are scouting on beneath you and you need to manage them teach them how to be better scouts as well i'm assuming yeah, and our guy we have an unbelievable staff we have a 12-man pro staff that a lot of them played at the major league level a lot of them were college coaches um so it's it's a really really honor to be able to wake up and and uh, and work with those guys every day yeah and they're looking at you as as a leader and as an example of i want to be doing what gene's doing someday yeah. maybe and now that you are where you are you can see all those steps that you took that got you to where you are right. let's talk about some of those steps what what has been some of the the beauty in it along the way you said there were some hard parts and all the you know the best things have those yeah so you know when i was with the padres I, I i really a difficult time because i mean they basically gave me a radar gun and a stopwatch and said go get them and and all i was really doing was comping the players to what i knew of the ranger players working in the clubhouse yeah. uh, which was a very talented team and so uh i was i was let go by the padres after the 99 season and literally like an hour later i get a call from the atlanta braves and dayton moore and they were just starting a pro department so they brought me on board and, and I was there for three years working under Dayton and, um, and and continued to evolve and grow and build out pro departments and see how other teams did things and their processes and try to pull the very best of it and stay away from things that didn't seem to work. And, and so in 2002, uh, other organizations had let a lot of veteran scouts go and so I was let go again. Mm. So I'd been fired two times in five years. Yeah. And the, the uh, Florida Marlins, I was almost out of the game. I was gonna go to work for the Ryan family uh, I was working at the University of Texas, and um, the Marlins called and offered me a part-time position, and we won the World Series at the end of that season in 2003, and mm -hmm. everything kind of took off from that point. Yeah, and you have to go through that in order to, maybe it's a new perspective shift that you have, or you learn something, or, or it's just you get the lows so that you can appreciate the highs, but looking back at it now, it all I'll, makes sense, doesn't it? I'll tell you a quick story, and, and before... Uh, you know, if everybody remembers the Yankee Red Sox series in 03 when Zimmer and, and Pedro got into the oh, fight. Oh, yeah, I remember. So that night, um, my boss and I were going to dinner, and, and, and I said, hey, DJ, I have no money. And he goes, what do you mean? He goes, he goes, no, there's an ATM inside. I'm like, Dan Jennings. And I'm like, Dan, I have no We're broke. Literally no we're money. We're broke. Yeah. And that was, that was professional rock bottom. He gave me $100, and we went on to win the World Series, and I went full time, and everything that was like – the rock bottom moment of my professional career and we win the world series two weeks later and everything kind of just moves up from there but. do you ever just sit back and you're just like what is life like this is it happens so fast and it changes so fast and you're just like just two months ago i had no dollars in my bank account here i am you know on the mountain yeah is it how do you just process just stay it humble. all just stay humble yeah. just stay humble and don't i don't take one day for granted my, my wife's been battling uh 
soft tissue sarcoma cancer for 12 years. She wasn't supposed to make it five. Oh and with the uh, amazing uh, MD Anderson and cancer research, uh, she's been alive 12 and doing well. And so we, we just had great perspective in our life not to get too far out in front of things and, and to enjoy every day and make the most of every day. And life's hard, but you just you keep fighting. And if you do, you're going to be blessed with a lot of things. You mentioned your wife. Is she an inspiration to you? She's unbelievable. She's a rock star. Yeah. Melanie, and she's, uh, she's been an a inspiration to so many people uh, across the state of Texas, in the city of Houston. They, they call her a medical miracle every time we're at MD Anderson. And, um, and I, I wouldn't be anywhere without her, I can tell you that. Yeah. You know, it, it, baseball's not, you can't be, you can't do it yourself. So having your wife, your family, kids, all that stuff is, is so important, I'm sure, to keeping you grounded. But you're also trying to, to manage being a husband and a father while trying to be at the, the height of your career. What's that like? It's, 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 it's hard at times, but what has been unbelievable is, is the way the Royals allow you to be a, a husband first, a father first. And I mean, we all, if you go around the front office, everybody's been married an extremely long time. All of our kids, our kids are family. Yeah. Our kids have basically grown up together and communicate via social media together and get together when they're in the same cities. And so everybody having that understanding of what family is about. And I, I would say that, you know, when this all comes to end, that, that next to winning the World Series, that'll be our greatest accomplishment is that everybody's families are still well and thriving and our kids are great kids. And it's something that that we should all be very proud of at the end of the day. Yeah. And it brings it back to relationships and the relationships you make, whether they be professional relationships or you become friends with these people and, and their lifelong friends that you have. No question. And and I, I still have, I call my mentors once a week. I've got a lot of guys that were, you know, pillars of the game and rock stars and general managers and accomplished everything and won world championships. And they're, they're on the backside of their careers at home, retired with their families. And I, I never want to lose that perspective. I'm always calling Bill Wood and calling Les Parker and Dean Taylor and Dan O'Brien and, and, and speaking to them because I don't want to lose that perspective that this is all coming for all of us one day. And yeah. so, you know, we're all borrowing the game. So let's pour into each other and do the best we can to help accomplish a, a goal of, of winning a world championship, but also impacting Kansas City and its fans and its wonderful fan base. It's so much bigger than baseball, isn't it? So much bigger. That was one of the things for me about five years in, I was like, there has to be more to this for me and yeah. started, you know, pouring into Austin RBI and Coast for Kids and Rock the Red Kettle and doing charities around the Austin area. and and just impacting lives every day that you can. Was that always something that you knew would be important to you? I'm gonna give back in this way or that way? No, I think it's kind of been organic. I mean, the, the Rock the Red Kettle we did in Austin was basically my son was visiting UT on a, on a baseball visit and there were some homeless people under a bridge. And he's like, dad, we gotta do something about this. And we reached out to a radio station and, and got that event going and it's been successful. And so it's, I think it's kind of organic and, and we're presented every day with opportunities for to help charities and, and try to do the best we can yeah we got to help people out it's all we're all one like we're all in the ecosystem together it, it's it. all all of us here together that's it is there someone along your path that gave you an opportunity that maybe you didn't deserve it or they just believed in you and saw something in you that you couldn't see for yourself is there someone along your path that that's done that for you well eddie epstein was the one that gave me my first opportunity in the game um i mean i i had coached a little bit and been an associate scout a little bit but he gave me my first launch and then dan jennings saved me dan jennings works for the uh washington national he managed the, the the miami marlins and was my boss in miami and i i'm probably out of baseball if it wasn't for him and and certainly everybody knows the impact that dayton moore's had on my life and and 
uh, be, being able to come here and, and uh, achieve the ultimate goal of winning a world championship was huge. And and, and J.J. Piccolo has been a, a great brother and mentor and inspiration to me, and I'm looking forward to pulling the rope for him and, and doing it again. Yeah. And we talk about the relationships within our organization, but how important is relationships in the outside organizations? Because you're talking about guys that might be on our, our squad someday. So it, not only within the Royals, but outside, you got to have those relationships. Yeah, I have dinners booked out probably for the next three weeks already from other organizations. Dang, I can't get on your schedule. <laughs> yes, and, and it's like, you know, my wife, we're driving this week and everybody's calling, when are you arriving? I'm Monday night. Okay, well, let's do dinner Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And I'm saying the same restaurant yeah. to every person from every organization. That's, uh, and I just said that to Q a while ago. I said, you know, my job's kind of slow until the games get going. And so once, once the games get going, now it's a thousand miles an hour because there's two games a day here and, yeah. and you're talking to your scouts in Florida. So it's a little bit of the calm before the storm. So I definitely try to, I reached out to Jerry DePoto, the president of the Marlins, uh, the Mariners this morning. And I said, Hey, let me know when dinner is. So yeah. that's a, that's a really big part. And go. those relationships mean the world to me. Yes. And you, you're checking in on them because you care about them as people, but also you're doing a little business too. I mean, you're just, you're staying in the know at communicating, having those open relationships where you're talking and conversing. Well, and, and those kind of organic yep. conversations can lead to uh, big deals. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, the night that we did the uh, James Shields, Wade Davis deal all day long, I had been communicating with Rocco Baldelli about, Hey, let's get together tonight and have a drink. And, and uh, and it ended up happening. We met in the lobby at one o'clock in the morning. I'm in my pajamas and in in the hallway of the and we're talking and and we basically kind of okay. These are the four names. Don't ask for anybody else. Don't dig on anybody else. And and that's kind of was the last little step of the Shields and Davis deal. That all done. happened while you were sitting in your PJs. Oh yeah, I had, blue, <laughs> I had royal blue flannels and a t-shirt on <laughs> in the lobby wow. of the of the. Uh, of the Opryland Hotel, yeah. Oh my gosh, what a <laughs> moment in time. And those are the things that, that people don't, that's not gonna make the news. You know, how these things come about isn't gonna make the news. They're just gonna see that it happened. Right. But the people back there pulling the strings or, or putting, laying the groundwork for these to happen. Art without it takes an so much, And it takes so much time. Yeah. It's art without an audience. Yes. And and it, so many of these, you can literally be sitting at a game and watching a player and going, you know what, I wonder if, well, Drew Butera, um, we got him in May of 15. He caught the last out of the World Series, and he had been DFA'd, and I was in Oakland, and it was literally, it took 15 minutes. Called Dayton, hey, we can get Butera. What do they want? Call JJ, we have a shortstop. Yeah. And that deal was done in 15 minutes, and he catches the last out of the World Series. So That's crazy. It literally moves that fast in yeah. Major League Baseball. Let's pause for a word from our sponsors. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Is there times when you think you got something, uh, you know, a good trade or, or something good going on someone and it comes to a screeching halt? Because you've said, you know, some good ones that have turned out, but there's also times when you're like, this is a done deal and then it ends up not being a absolutely, done deal. Absolutely. And there's there's sometimes where you you think you have a deal, let's say, you know, February of 20, 
23 and it may it could be july of 25 before it gets done yeah but you're constantly having those conversations and tracking i mean jorge soler we were we were way out in front of him you know watching him in spring training here years before we acquired him for wade yeah. davis so you're constantly creating those targets of guys that you think can fit and come in and not only help our major league team but fit in with the city of kansas mm -hmm. city because the connection between the team and the fan base is so strong and and fit into who we are as an organization you know sometimes we'll get a you know a trade will come through or something and we'll have an interview and and one of the execs will talk about the trade and they'll be like yeah we've been watching this person for four you know even drew waters when drew was traded and jj came out and was like yeah we've had our eye on drew for four years and i'm like you know i'm sitting there like has he really like there's so many we people do. i know it's crazy because i always think that's like a throwaway thing like of course we've been watching everyone but it, it, you know that there really is so many eyes and ears out there that you really have been watching him for several right. years. And a guy that may not fit right now could fit a month from now or six months from now or a year from now. And you just have to stay on top of the information with every player. Yeah. So when you have, uh, you know, information or, or thoughts you have to process through, does your wife, is she privy to that? Or is that stuff that is top secret? <laughs> My wife could write the book like no other really? book in baseball. And she, I mean, she stays on top of it. Like she'll call me on things and watch games and she's, she's pretty sharp with the, and my daughter also, she worked in baseball. And so I have two girls that, um, that had they stayed in the game of baseball, the, the sky is the limit is my wife would have probably been a, a VP of ticket sales for a major league team. And, yeah. and my daughter, you know, ran a ticket office at 17 years old in Round Rock, Texas. And, yeah. Uh, so yeah, they're they're very locked in to uh, Major League Baseball. And I love that. Let's get her on staff. Do no we have doubt. A, oh, I would love it. Oh, I would love it. <laughs> That's amazing. I was gonna say you. I feel like you either need a wife who doesn't care and it's in one ear out the other, but they're a good listener, or you need a wife that like yours, like you said, that is like right there with you, like taking the information yeah. in, listening to you, calling you on things, being like, well, you know, what do you, you do? Things My like wife could have done way better than me. I promise oh, you that. I love that. <laughs> she could have done way better than me. So, like, I. Told I told you earlier, I'm a very competitive person. I, I compete for her every day. Oh so. my gosh, I love yeah. that. You guys are going to cry. Yeah. That's beautiful. What are some of the other things about your career that people wouldn't guess? I know there's a lot on a day-to-day -day that you guys do, but there's probably a lot that doesn't get talked about or doesn't get shown. Walk us through like a day in the life of a scout. Well, that that is absolutely the greatest thing about my job is you wake up and you just don't know who you're going to meet at the ballpark that day. I mean, I, I've uh, I've literally I, I like to get to the ballpark early and I'll sit in the press room and talk to the media and try to get information. And then, um, you know, Tom Hanks will walk in. What? And, the actor? And, oh yeah, and you're getting a selfie. I'm a real big like picture with celebrities. Yes. Guy. <laughs> Business cards and pictures with celebrities. So, uh, and and I've met a lot of them. You know, I mean, sit behind home plate of playoff games. You could literally be sitting there at Yankee Stadium and Robin Williams is one row in front of you. I mean, yeah. it's, it's crazy. So mm -hmm. that that is the the greatest part is like, I love to meet people. Yeah. Um, and, and you go to the ballpark and you just don't know who you're going to meet that day or what's going to happen at the ballpark. Yeah. That day. That's the funnest part. Yeah. Every day is an adventure. You never know. Is that hard to balance that all? I mean, sometimes you're in you're traveling so much you're in different cities are you like sometimes you don't know where you are you don't know what you're doing oh. yeah you're like what time zone am oh. i in no I, I i will sometimes wake up and walk right into the wall thinking i'm in my last hotel yes. room or i'll go to room 724 and i'm in 518 24 was two cities ago. yes so, yeah there's a lot of that are you a pro traveler do you have any like travel tips like can you pack a suitcase like no one's oh, business no, i'm a big i have a lot i'm a big carry-on guy you're I, big get, carry -on. I get criticized for the amount of 
luggage I travel with. But hey, you so, but have... I got my boots and jeans, and I usually wear a cowboy hat. And so, do you really? Oh yeah. I've so, never seen you with a cowboy yeah, hat. I'm a big cowboy hat guy, I, I, and that's that's the one thing of I've always tried to do is stay true to myself and yeah. who I was growing up, and not not let that get too far away. From You're a Texas guy. Texas guy all the way. And you got your boots. I got my Lucases on today. Never go anywhere without them. Don't they get a little hot and sticky? No. Really? No. Never. Love my Lucases. Wow. I love that. And I love being true to yourself and just being who you are. Can you talk to us some about that throughout your career? I'm sure it's been, um, you know, tempting to to be this guy or be that guy or or this, you know, someone has something that's working really good for them and what they're doing. It's tempting to be like, well, I I should do that. It's working for him. Yeah. Has that happened? I've tried it. It don't work. It don't work. Yeah. I've tried to, you know, early on, especially in my career, I tried to like be the guy that, that, you know, the, the perception in me, and it just, it doesn't work for me. I yeah. got to be myself. And, you know, in our lives, we're always going to have critics. And so if you're going to have critics anyway, just be true to yourself and be yourself yeah. and, and pour everything you can into the people around you and your job and, 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 and lead and hold people accountable. And, you know, I'm a servant guy. I don't ask our guys to do anything that I wouldn't do, but, but most importantly, that it just being true to yourself and, and because you know when you put your pillow on, on you put your head on the pillow at the end of the night you got to know that you did the very best you can for your family your organization but most importantly that you were true to yourself and everything that yeah. you did you mentioned being a leader can you tell us some of the qualities that you value in a leader and some of those qualities that you try and you know have as a leader now yeah i mean the big one for me is i i would never ask uh one of my scouts our scouts to do something that i wouldn't do yeah uh i just i i think that's a real big thing in in scouting uh it's it's because it's so subjective and you have so much information that it can easily be thought that you can just sit back and read about the player and know the player and that's not always the case you have to like have a track record with the player and watch him and and know his personal habits and what what's his lifestyle off the field and and I tend to on the road try to gravitate to the restaurants and where players are because mm-hmm. you can find out a lot and and I love players I love their stories uh, I mean the two percent chance of playing pro ball and then to get to it's it's a miracle to yeah. play in the big leagues one day yeah. and so I just have so much admiration and respect for players that that I love their stories and they've all been through so much adversity to get to where they are and and um, and so that that's that's one of the things is, is just having a love for players leading by example being a servant leader and and not expect and understanding that you know my our scouts are human beings and they have families and needs and and just it's just being for them and helping them be the best that they can be at their jobs. Yeah. You mentioned the players and getting to know them, and that's so important for what you're doing with your job. But there's a human aspect there, too. You love stories. I love storytelling. So I'm that way, too. I, I meet someone on the bus, and I want to talk to them. Yeah. In fact, my husband always teases me. He's like, can we go anywhere without you, like, trying to have, like, a deep conversation with someone? And I'm like, no, like, that's me. So you get to know them as people, and that's valuable. And there's a human element to the business that can probably sometimes be hard to to kind of juggle that the fact that you really care about these people and you want to see good things for them but there's also baseball's a business yeah and you know and that's from the first time we ever put a uniform on at six seven years old the thing that you get uh immune to in the very beginning is change yeah. because you're constantly playing for different teams different coaches different teammates different cities different everything and so um the only thing that i say to myself every day if, if if change hasn't happened, it's coming tomorrow. And so you you know that, you know, this is a business and it's it's the major leagues and mm-hmm. it's a jungle. And yeah. so 
Uh, but but I, I tell every one of our players, and I talk to a lot of our ex-players all the time, once a Royal, always a Royal. And so those, those relationships are everlasting. Mm-hmm. And I, I see a lot of the guys from the, the 15 team on the road and we have a moment and I see guys that we released in a ball Mm -hmm. and we have a moment. So it's, it's as long as they know that you genuinely care about them as people. And that's something that we pride ourselves on as an organization, because we all have sons that played the game and you want to treat them like they're your sons and you always want to see the game through, through, through their eyes. And if you can do that, at the end of the day, they're going to respect you for, for the way you treated them in the end. Um, I want to hear some about how you balance the, potential of a player compared to what they're actually showing you because I'm sure that could be tricky and how you put that together I know it's all there's always lists and scouting reports and things like that but there sometimes is like that thing you can't quantify and you're like there's a lot of potential there I don't know what it is but there is something how do you get that across how do you talk to the group about that well you're you're evaluating the five tools hit hit for power run field and throw and you you rank those tools in order by position around the diamond. But then you're looking at something that a little adjustment that might take place with the player that can make him better. And those those go into the scouting reports as well as uh, the data and the analytics, especially with pitching and the information that we have now with pitching on pitch shape and pitch design, targeting, pitch sequencing, more on the pitching side than, than, the, than the position player side. But, but it's just looking at the player and Age for level is a big deal. Okay. What, what level are they playing at for the age? And trying to envision you know, what the ceiling of that player is, what we can do to make him better. But also, like, if you look around the league, there's a thousand examples of guys that were in one place that it just wasn't working. Yep. It was ballpark, it was lineup, it was they were asking him to do something in pitch sequencing or on the rubber that you recognize those things and you say, hey, if we can do this, we can make them better. And that's being a small market team, that's really the beauty of my position is trying to find that buy low guy and other organizations that will come over and and with our structure and our information and our people and our culture, uh, giving them a chance to ultimately reach their, their ultimate ceiling in the game. Is there a story that you have where you saw someone from a young age and you were like, that person's got it and they, and they made it, you were right. And I'm sure for every one of those, there's ones where- there's a, For every one of those, yeah. there's a thousand misses. Yes. And anybody that tells you different, you gotta like players. Yeah. Because you can say nobody can play and yeah. you're gonna be right 95% of the time. But so true. you have to like players and dream on players. And, and, and so that the rule five draft is something that, that we really, as an organization have had a lot of success with and we take a lot of pride in it and those are always fun to draft those guys out of a ball or double a and bring them here and them have success and mm-hmm. and it's a lot of people's work it's the it's the vision of the scout it's it's daniel mack and his information that he has from a data standpoint it's the coaches and their vision it's it's making the player feel comfortable about uh where they are in the, in the organization in the city and and like with Drew last year, I mean, before he got off the plane in Kansas City, he knew everything about Jeff Davenport, mm-hmm. our coaching staff, his teammates, the media, where to eat, the restaurants to go to. Where to, I mean, he had all the information so that when he arrives in Kansas City, there's a level of comfort and, okay, now I can focus on being the I best baseball. I can just baseball. play. That, and that's an important thing. Yeah, it's so important, making sure that their family knows is comfortable and, and secure and happy to be there and everyone's excited. And especially someone like Drew, who's making the, you know his big league debut, debut, that stuff is important. And to not have to worry about those 
tangible things. He can just go out on the field, right. hit the ball, be a star in center field. Right. That's really what matters most and what we all want for these guys. But you're right, there's so many things going on in their heads. They're trying to be sons, brothers, husbands, boyfriends, things like that, you know, outside of it, and then go on the field and, and do all this other stuff. And That's you right. also have to add that into the equation that we're all human and there's That's right. emotions and feelings that go along with that. That's right. But and, making the player comfortable and showing them that you believe them is ultimately our goal. Yeah. 100%. Do you have any fun stories from the World Series teams you've been able to be a oh part of? Oh my gosh. 2003, I could write a book on that that whole, you know, the Bartman game. We had checked out of our hotel in Boston and Bartman reaches over and and gets the ball in the in the NLCS against the Cubs and we had to check back into our hotel, drive to New York. I mean, we had a guy on a subway, we're down 3 to 1, tell us we're going to win. I mean, the, the 15, the 14 and 15 team uh, it's just to me, it's just one big story, and the and the thing that that I'll never forget is just the connection between those players and our fan base, and you know the the tickets given away at restaurants, and and families that had never gotten to go to a game, and and the people in my life that like became Royals fans automatically and are coming to games and flying up to games, and um, the Houston game in 15, the ground ball, Correa, yeah, my family, I, I said, hey, go check out. Our season's over. Yeah. They weren't even there for the comeback. So <laughs> just a lot of, like, very unique things. that, But 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 ultimately the parade yeah. and just the that day and, and the fans and to see – because, you know, I went to work for the Royals in 06, but I started covering them in 97. Mm -hmm. And just to see that progression to get to that day and that parade was, was truly amazing. And, and we're working every minute of every day to try to do it again. You've been to other, you've worked for other organizations, been, you know, around the league. Why is KC special? Well, the fans for one, they, they're so passionate about this team and I've, I've never been anywhere. Uh, and this is my sixth organization where the fans connect so much with the team and the players. And I think it's because the city plays so small and, you know, our players, when they're out, they're visible and they're kind. And we, we tell them, be kind to our fans and, and because inter interact with them. And, I mean, I think everybody knows the stories about Power and Light in 2015. <laughs> that was insane. But, <laughs> but, uh, but that and just uh, – it's just how much family means to a city like Kansas City. And, you know, I, I, I share in J John Sherman's vision of, of trying to, to build this up to be a championship organization again and J.J. Piccolo's vision. It's just – it's hard to put a, a, a pencil to it, but it's just – the most special place like I, I commute to Kansas City from Austin in the in the wintertime every other week and so I'm at the plaza I'm in the restaurants I'm in the hotels talking to fans and and they're just so passionate about the baseball team it's, yeah it's amazing it's a fun city isn't it, it really is. I really you know I tribute it it's Midwest nice I think that is really what does it for me the people are kind they're they're hardworking, but they like good beer good food good art good sports right and you can't help but feel embraced by that. So that's what it is for me. But it's really great to hear that from, you know, I was outsider's perspective as well. Someone who's from the South, um, you know, that all translates. I think we're, we can all say as Kansas Cityans, we're proud of that. Yeah, I told everybody I chose the plaza over the beach in Anaheim. So. Oh, there you go. That's a big statement there. I don't know. The beach sounds pretty good right around this time of year. But I want to hear some about, you had mentioned Bobby Witt Sr., and so you've probably known Bobby Wood Jr. for or known of him, you know, for a long time. Yeah, my wife was their nanny when, oh. for the daughters, <laughs> for their older girls. How so. how weird is that, or how cool is it's, it? Not it's even amazing. weird. Yeah. It's amazing. And and um, the first time I met Bobby, 
uh, junior was in the hotel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He was 12 okay. playing in a tournament. And I walk in and, and there's senior and he introduced me to his kid who was playing with my son's high school coach's son in Dallas. And, 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 you know, everybody, yeah, this guy can play, you yeah. know, every airport and hotel lobby, yeah, this guy can play. And then you see him and you're like, wow, this guy can really play. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, you know, I, I, I saw him three games a senior. He actually beat our hometown high school in the state championship game, but more than the God-given ability that he was given, it's just the incredible human being that he is. Yes. He is such a humble, well-mannered, uh, I mean, our fans in Kansas City are just going to love this kid. They do already, but it gets even better. Yeah, and, and, and it comes from a tremendous upbringing. His yeah. mom and dad were were wonderful. His sisters were a strong support base and uh, just the just the, the perfect role models as, as a, a baseball family that helped uh, – a young man reaches ceiling. Did you work some of those into your scouting reports of him? You know, how much the pedigree, but also knowing Bobby Sr. and knowing how he raised his, his kids. Do you work that into your scouting? 100%. Yeah, you know, bloodlines is everything. Yeah. And even even Patrick Mahomes out of yeah. high school. You know, he was a – he was a Kyler Murray was a baseball guy. Patrick Mahomes, Baker Mayfield. Saw all those guys in high school. And, and most of the time uh, that little edge is not the God-given ability that the player is given. It's, it's literally – the car rides home yeah. and to the stadium and the time away from the game where you can continually mold the player and shape them into, you know, the mindset of not just on field, but the total package of caring for your fan base, caring for your teammates, understanding that there's a balance to all this and managing it is such an important part of it yeah. because it's so much more than just the game yeah. at 705. Yeah. No, one hundred percent. Did you scout Mahomes? What do you got on him? Saw him in high school. Oh yeah, he was he was ninety ninety three. Good. He was a pitcher. Ball. Yeah, his dad. You know, his dad pitched for the Rangers. Yeah, yeah. No, I knew that, so. but I wasn't yeah. sure. Yeah, and that's and that's you know Baker, Kyler, Pat Mahomes were all uh, Drew Brees. I saw in high school. He was you know those those were all guys that could have gone the baseball route that that went the football route. Yeah. Gosh, must be nice. <laughs> Especially like to be that talented. Yeah, Kyler was a first round draft pick mm -hmm. too. So I mean it's it's just crazy. And you know, there's always a I remember when he was making that decision, there's always like, oh, what should you go with? The guaranteed right. money or, or whatever it is, but one game a week, no minor league system. Yes. Hundred thousand people in the stands. <laughs> <laughs> must be nice, yeah. Now you were a part of some of the USA baseball selection teams. Yeah. What's that like? It's amazing. Yeah. It's one of the greatest honors of my life. Ed Lynch, former general manager of the Cubs, had asked me to be a part of it early on, 2008. And we built out some of the early WBC teams and uh, the World Cup. We won the gold medal in the World Cup. We got a beautiful ring. Uh, the Olympics, uh, we got a beautiful ring. Um, it, one of the greatest honors was, was basically putting the team together for the last team to qualify for the Olympics. And just... Um, you know, I, I come from a military uh, law enforcement family, so yeah. to be a part of something with your, your country on it just meant so much yeah. uh, to me. And it's amazing how different it is uh, for the players when they're wearing those colors. Yeah. And it's just, it's a different vibe. It's a different feel. And uh, it's truly one of the greatest experiences of my life. Yeah, even when we just have the special uniforms for Fourth of July or uh, Veterans Day or something like that, or Armed Services Day, whatever it is, that it's a different feel to it as well. Uh, you know, when you have those jerseys or the special hats or whatever. It really it is. is, and we have the World Baseball Classic uh, going on right now. Yeah. You know, this year, and so it's it's a it's a different level of competition, a different level of pride when you're playing for your country, and it's it's really about playing for your country, yeah. and and it's just it's. it's 
it's hard to describe. Yeah, it really is. What advice would you give your 20 year old self? What I said earlier, really just be yourself, be true to yourself. Don't, don't try to be something that you're not. Don't try to be somebody else because, you know, no matter what we do, success or failure, you know, we're going to have critics and we're going to have praisers and mm -hmm. you just want to be yourself. I, I, I constantly keep my eye on the end game in life. And, and when it's all said and done, I just want people to know that, that I truly cared about people and, and wanted everybody to be successful and because and we're all borrowing this game. It's a vehicle that you can use to impact so many people's lives mm -hmm. and you have a chance to do it every day. And so that, that would be it. Just be true to yourself and don't try to be somebody else. And it's either gonna work for you or it's not. But something else will work then. That's exactly right. Yeah. All right, let's get to our lightning round. Oh my gosh. I'm excited for All you right. in this. All right, you go to a lot of stadiums, stadium, ballpark, food. What are you going for? Oh, I'm a big uh, hot dog guy okay. at uh, Wrigley Field. Oh, specifically at Wrigley I Field? I grew up a Cub fan. So. Oh, okay. I'm, I apologize. <laughs> I'm sorry for that for you. <laughs> Favorite kind of donut or best donut place? Round Rock Donuts, Round Rock, Texas. Oh, wow. Not he's, even close. He's got specifics here. What is the most memorable bat crack you've ever heard? Uh, that would be Gary Sheffield okay. of the Florida Marlins and Bo Jackson. And when Bo Jackson would swing it at BP in the early 90s in Arlington, it was unbelievable to sit by the cage. Jose Canseco, another one, Mark McGuire, just deafening sounds when the ball came off the it's bat. It's probably just burned into your memory, yes. isn't it? Yeah. yeah, I love that, jealous. What is your most iconic baseball memory? It would be May 1st, 1991. I was a clubhouse attendant for the Rangers and being in the dugout for Nolan Ryan's seventh no-hitter. Wow. It was, was um, one of the greatest nights ever. And it's so funny because uh, my roommates, I had four tickets and in the fifth inning, I kept texting them or calling them on the phone going, hey, um, He's got a no-hitter through five. Nah, we're not coming. He's got a no-hitter. So You're jinxing it, so, him. I'm... So it got to the eighth. Yeah. It got to the eighth, and they're like, no, nah, we're not coming. So <laughs> then they wanted the tickets after the fact, and I wouldn't give them to him. So. But just an amazing night. You reserved that right. I think it's yeah. good you didn't give it to him. How did you get the nickname Snacks? Oh, my gosh. Who gave you that I one? cannot reveal my sources. <laughs> so um, we were playing Central Missouri, which I think was Missouri State at the time, and uh, down in the bullpen, we would always have like, you know, food for the doubleheader yeah. on, on Saturdays. And I had a Snickers bar and we had those white Dodger uniforms or really the Royal white, same thing. And our starting pitcher got hit in between the eyes, like the third pitch of the game. And so I had to go in and they said, Hey, get up, get hot. And I had just cracked a Snickers bar <laughs> and, and I put it in my back pocket and I'm out and it's like 98 degrees and the Snickers bar is melting in my back pocket. And my catcher comes out in the middle of uh, the inning. He's like, hey man, are you okay? And I'm like, why? He goes, cause you got something in your pocket and that Snickers bar had melted. And so it was Snickers for about three days and it turned into snacks and the rest is history. Is there a player that is the one that got away? Oh man, there's a bunch. There is. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. there's a lot. I. I That'd be too many to even count because, um, you know, first of all, there's where you pick in the draft and yeah. does the player fit. But yeah, there've there've been it'd be too many to, to even name yeah. one. It's it's a, it's a hard. Everybody's got them. So but the movie Moneyball. Have you seen it? I love the movie. Okay, so real or fairy tale? Um, a lot of it is real. Okay. Some of it's fairy tale. Um, I think they did an incredible job of of uh, of Billy. 
he did. I love Billy. Billy's great. He's a good baseball guy. JJ and I actually got to spend time with him last year at the GM meetings, and he he referenced the movie like we didn't we didn't know what it was. Yeah. Hey, I did this movie back, in the, you know. Yeah. Well, like, we know. Yeah. But I, I do. I, there's something soothing about it. One to be inside the game like that on decisions to see those old players constantly coming up uh, in the movie. It, it, that was the early. Uh, years of my scouting career. And uh, I think it's a great movie. I, I think um, it doesn't depict everything that goes into building a team, but it certainly uh, exemplified what they were trying to do as an organization. Yeah, that's good to hear. Sometimes yeah. you never you never know. It's, it's a great movie. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, I'm like gonna watch it. it with a keener eye this I time. I like too. it a lot. Yeah. Well, that was a heck of a lot of fun. Gene, thank you so much for Carrie, being thank here. Thank you so much, it was a blast. With really us today. I, I really mean it. You are sunshine personified, and I think that you are a, such an, an as a gift to this organization and, and your professional things, but as a person, too. Thank so, you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of the organization. Thank you for spending some time with me and the fans. We love it so much. We're ready for baseball in 2023. Are you? Yes, ma'am. Let's roll. All right. Let's get it going. Before we leave, i got to remind you to subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast, make sure you hit that subscribe button. It's going to be fun. There's a lot of really awesome episodes coming out, and you're going to want to be ready for them. So hang tight, and we'll see you very soon.